<laughs> oh, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, wherever you are in the world. This is the Rebel News Daily live stream. I'm your host, Sheila Gunreed, and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Alexa Lavoie. And things are a little bit weird because I'm working in the Calgary office today. So I don't have my normal setup. So I have to talk to a camera instead of a monitor. So I don't get to see just how pretty Alexa looks today. But Alexa, how's it going? I'm pretty good. Uh, you have a nice background, <laughs> but it looks a little bit cold. <laughs> yeah, this is just the, the green screen, and this is whatever I had on my computer because I didn't have my regular background with me saved on here. But uh, I think it's gonna we're going to wing it. It's going to be great. Um, we should tell everybody what we're doing before we get started because there's a ton to talk about, including Justin Trudeau going to your fair city which I, I guess at yeah. the end of the day is his fair city too. So it's no surprise mm -hmm. that he was there. But um, this is the Rebel News daily live stream. We are streaming on YouTube. And YouTube recently changed the rules. Um, so there are some things we can say, some things we can't say. For example, they just changed the rule that says that now we can make fun of masks. And now we can say that masks don't work, even though for two years they kicked you off the platform if you said masks don't work. So they can just decide to no longer cancel people. But at the same time, what do you do about all the people you censored over the last two years? We're just yeah. supposed to forget about that. And anyway, there, there may come a time in the stream today where we have to cut uh, the YouTube feed, but the good news is we are streaming on three other platforms, and the beauty of those three other platforms is that they don't really care what your politics are. So there's Getter. So we're streaming on Getter, but if you want to interact with us and support the work that we do completely willingly, might I suggest you find us on Rumble or Odyssey. On Rumble, if you leave us a paid chat, it's called the Rumble Rant. We'll read it on air and we'll do our best to address your question, query, comment, um, or story idea. And on Odyssey, if you leave us a hyper chat, there's a couple different ways to do that. Um, again, if that's their paid chat, you send us a paid chat, we'll read it on air. And we'll try to get to those about halfway through the show and then towards the end of the show, I think that's everything. And again, because I don't have my normal monitor, I'm going to be looking down at my screen sometimes or onto my phone so that I can follow along with our story plan for how we're going to do the show today. But uh, let's get to uh, Justin Trudeau being in Montreal. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, He was out and about eating maskless, sounds like, even though he wants us to mm -hmm. wear masks everywhere we go. And he's with the German Chancellor. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a lot to say about populism, about Germany's mm -hmm. reliance on Russia, and how the solution is not going to be Canadian mm -hmm. natural gas, but rather uh, more green schemes, which is what forced Germany into the arms of Russia in the first place. Yeah, th this is actually really funny because, as you know, last time it went to the um, acidic Jew area, you know, the, the main area we're targeting during the COVID. Because, as you know, like they live their life and they just continue why they will like regulate their life with like rule that are not based on science uh, for some well, of it. Like, sorry, before sorry. we go on here. Before we go on here, let's just talk about that for a second. So last time Justin Trudeau was in Montreal yeah. dining, he went to yeah. Outremont, which is yeah. the Jewish neighborhood and yeah. Hasidic or Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. 
And the reason that was particularly spiteful of Justin Trudeau to go there Mm -hmm. is that Montreal had a curfew, a COVID curfew, so that if you were outside after eight o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. apparently that's when COVID was worse. And the problem with that is Orthodox Jews go to synagogue on Friday night. Mm -hmm. So while they didn't close the synagogues they Mm -hmm. did limit attendance to the synagogue they basically made it illegal for you to be on the street to go to the synagogue and so orthodox jews were were targeted and ticketed on mass for going to synagogue and our reporter reporter yankee pollock when he lived there before he escaped to the free state of florida he documented so much of that when he was there so that's the backstory about the last time justin trudeau was in montreal he made it a point to go to a neighborhood that COVID restrictions had targeted mm-hmm. the last time around. So it's why uh, this is actually hilarious. Thank you for the ba- background story. Um, so again, he went to another restaurant at, um, well, I think it was Damas or something like that. Um, but it was in the same area, I think uh, two blocks away. And uh and he went there with uh, Olaf Scholz. And what we were able to see is like the amount of car uh, or SUV who were there for the security of these two men. When we know that uh, Olaf Scholz came in Canada for um, reduce their carbon footprint and as well for a greener energy that is hydrogen. But this is actually really hypocrite when we see again the day after the amount of SUV that were there to escort these two men. So we know that is there for a really short time. I think it's three days in total. They went to Montreal, they went to Toronto, and they went to Newfoundland. So they probably didn't drive. They probably take a private jet for like <laughs> Uh, changing city and as well the escort of this multiple car so I'm just thinking like in three days they probably spend like the amount of carbon footprint of just like a normal society like the, the normal population probably of the province of Quebec so in uh, I don't know how many times but this is actually really hypocrite of their their side to do that when they actually promote to reduce the amount of uh, carbon footprint of the population to ask them to eat bugs, example, instead of meat, because that helps with the GHG GHG, um, emission. So for me, it's just a hypocritical um, visit from Olaf Scholz, especially because he's a agenda contributor of the World Economic Forum, as Mr. Trudeau is on their website too. So I'm just wondering, like, they came here for a greener age energy, but as we know, like, hydrogen, it seems not really more uh, greener when we think that is can be elevated time more dangerous uh, for the climate uh, because it's a warmer gas like it's 11 times uh faster on the warmer climate so um i will have like a report on that that's coming up uh, because i just had the answer from uh, michelle stingling so uh, we discussed yes. michelle, Sterling, yes. michelle yes. from friends of science yes if you want to know yeah. anything about climate change she's your lady um, because she looks at it in a way that uh, she she doesn't look at the politics of it. She looks at what what these I- policy ideas are going to cost your family, 
and she looks at the historical geological record where, you know, you see scientists saying, oh, the world has been warming since 1950. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. But the world's a lot older than that, including recent recorded history. Like we have temperature data that goes back even further than that. So why are we cherry picking from 1950? Um, so yeah. I look forward to that because I feel like Michelle is going to debunk a lot of the, or at least throw a little bit of cold water on the idea that the solution to everybody's climate problems is hydrogen because um, we're not quite there yet. Um, yeah. And, you know, speaking of hypocrisy with the German chancellor and Justin Trudeau, these two can't shut up about how they're st standing in solidarity with Ukraine. And mm -hmm. before anybody writes me letters, I'm anti-invasion, definitely. Um, however, I want to point out the hypocrisy of these two because it's been green energy policies that have forced Western Europe, but particularly Germany, to be in the bosom of Vladimir Putin. They are funding the Russian war machine through their reliance on mm -hmm. Russian natural gas. Um, and uh, Justin Trudeau, I think we've got a clip from, it was on Efron's Twitter, if we could bring that up. Um, Justin Trudeau's response to the war in Ukraine, where energy prices soar, it's never been clearer to continue with the green energy transition, adding that Canada will be a supplier of energy in a net zero world. There's no such thing as energy in a net zero world unless we're talking about um, nuclear. But again, we'll talk about Germany and nuclear in a second. Can we throw to that clip? I might have put everybody on the spot a little bit here. In the face of the current geopolitical situation with Russia weaponizing fossil fuel exports, we are standing shoulder to shoulder with our European friends and allies. Canada is doing our part to add to the global energy supply right now. But it has never been clearer why we need to accelerate the green transition. And you should have no doubts that Canada has what it takes to be a supplier of clean energy in a net zero world. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. We're a fossil fuel superpower. We, Alberta is the Saudi Arabia of coal, let alone being the Saudi Arabia of oil. And then we have natural gas. There are provinces like your own that don't frack for some reason. You'd rather be reliant on um, imported fossil fuels instead of mm -hmm. using your own and creating jobs for Quebecers. But if we go back, historically speaking, Germany decided to go green. They are very, um, they have a lot of coal. Instead of utilizing their own coal, they shuttered their coal plants. But then they went one step further. They shuttered their clean energy. By that, I mean nuclear. They decided to get off nuclear too. And if you care about greenhouse gas emissions, I'm not sure I do, but Germany tells me they do. And they shuttered their nuclear facilities, which meant that they had to be reliant on Germany because green energy is unreliable. Um, if the wind isn't strong enough, your turbines don't work. If the wind is too strong, your turbines don't work. If it's not sunny, then you don't have any solar energy. Solar energy only works when the sun is out. So 
they shuttered their reliable energy. Then they went to green energy. But the problem with green energy is you always need fossil fuel backup if you don't want to die. And so they became heavily reliant on Russia. I think they buy over 50% of their natural gas from Russia every single day. And Russia actually holds all of the cards now at this point because they will cut supply to Germany. Germany can say, oh, we're not going to buy natural gas from Russia. But then what? Where are you going to buy it from? You could buy it from Canada, but Justin Trudeau won't let us liquefy our natural gas and export it to the rest of the world. And we've got so much of it. But we're not doing that. We could be the solution to Russia trying to take over their part of the world, but we don't do it. Justin Trudeau says we need green energy is what got Western Europe in this position of being reliant on Putin. And so what's Justin Trudeau's solution? Do more of the same. It is literally the definition of insanity to continue to do the thing that didn't work, expecting a different result. And instead of coming in and buy our fossil fuel, like example, our oil and gas that we have a lot here in Canada, we prefer to go to hydrogen and hydrogen. Um, we are not really, we are there yet, but we are not specialists of liquefying it and like transporting it. We didn't do it before really. So um, why not buying, if you have a crisis right now, buying our Uh, gas and oil from Canada that you can solve the problem right now, like for your population. And just if you don't want to buy from Russia, you have another option now that you can use. And afterwards you can think of something else, but like, why not buying your your energy from us when we have a lot. And especially like in Quebec, when we see that we had a company who were capable to extract natural gas to a net zero emission, and they were refused to do it from Quebec province. Yeah. Yeah, when, when you hear the words net zero, I try to replace them in my head with the words democracy zero, because the world is always going to need fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, unicorn ideas out there that are not reality. If they do exist, it's with fossil fuel backup and heavy subsidies. So when you hear net zero, you should think in your mind, oh, you mean Western economies where democracy and human rights are supposed to be important, they are going to cripple their economies so that the world's oligarchs and bad guys can get richer and richer. Because if you don't buy from Canada, if you don't buy your liquefied natural gas from Australia, who's doing a good job of liquefying it right now, if you don't buy from us, then you will be forced to buy from Russia, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, Iran, the world's worst people. Um, You can create jobs in places like Quebec, or you can create jobs in places like Kazakhstan, where the people who work in the oil field only work at, you know, basic wages to line the pockets of crooked oligarchs. And I, like example, I went to Nigeria, okay? Of course, they produce a lot of energy, okay? But they export most of it to other uh, countries around. And for them... 
I would say like the energy for their own citizen, that is actually really sad. The energy is cutting all the time. They run out yeah. of, for their own population. So do we, do we want to increase that problem? Because we want to take away all their energy and for their own citizen, they don't have it. Like example for the electric car. We we don't we have some difficulty to find the lithium, and the lithium is producing in uh, some field in Argentina, um, Chile, and Bolivia, where it's really unstable there. And we take the cobalt from RDC, where the, some children is dying in the mine, or the mm -hmm. exper uh, experience of life it's 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 less than than a normal like person. Or do we really want to? Or will we go greener? But we will make suffer other country. Yeah, for us. Do we really want I, that? I wonder if these human rights activists would care if they knew how many dead children were or sick children were in every electric car battery. If we measured it that way, I remember. I don't know who did it, but there used to be a measurement about how much blood was in a barrel of dictator oil versus Canadian oil. And I wonder if that same calculation would hold true. If somebody actually sat down and figured out, this is how many instances of cancer, childhood cancers are in this car battery. This is mm -hmm. how many missing fingers. This is how many early deaths from mining in unsafe conditions. Mm -hmm. That's in your electric car battery. Would you rethink it the same way people rethink their fair trade coffee because they're ethical people and they don't want to contribute to human suffering. And these are the same people who opt to, and good for them opt to buy a Canadian diamond as opposed to a diamond mined on the African continent because mm -hmm. we Canadian diamonds create uh, jobs and wealth for indigenous people. And, you know, those same people should be applying that same ethical metric to their green energy. And I think they would be shocked um, if they actually had to stop and think about the human suffering their green energy is causing. Yeah, and not only that, they say that they want to trade the, the meat for the bugs because they use less water for the production of it. But when we look at the lithium, the amount of money that ne needed for producing lithium, people will actually be like so surprised to just trade the water from your meat, you will eat bugs, but because the water that is using for your meat will be trade for your electric car for the lithium that is using in it. Yeah. Uh, and I know there are some people who are watching who probably are like expat Canadians who have worked around the world. And as the uh, oil patch takes a downturn, you'll see all of the Canadian oil patch experts, they sort of fan out across the world. They'll end up working in Russia. They'll end up working in Kazakhstan. They'll work in Nigeria. They'll work in Mexico because they don't have the same um I guess they don't kneecap their own economies. When things get bad, they drill and drill and mm -hmm. drill because it's a, a quick influx of cash. But the opposite is true in Canada. So I know, and especially from my own family's experience, when you go to these other places of the world to work in the oil patch, it is shocking how poor the locals are paid 
It's also shocking how poor the environmental standards are and the safety standards are. If you care about environmental standards, uh, fair wages, and safety, you should be getting your oil from Canada, but at the very least, the Western world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree totally with you. And especially um, they don't have the security tool that we have for working on the platform, example. Um, most oh, yeah, of for them, sure. they've been, been sent there there with without equipment or anything. And they just say, like, work, and we give you so less money, but you will be, like, uh, a hard worker. But most of them, they don't even know, like, where what they are extracting go after yeah. and which price yeah. they pay for it. The only thing that they know, I need to work for my family. I need to provide my family at the risk of my life and for the few money that I get from it. Yep. Um, speaking of at the risk of your life, uh, Justin Trudeau, in another serious uh, bout of hypocrisy, um, I don't know if we have a video of this. Maybe Olivia will let me know in my ear. Um, Justin Trudeau decided that today he would honor the victims of victims and survivors of communism and Nazism in Europe. And we pledge to continue. Yeah, this is it. Black Ribbon Day. Okay, great. Thanks, Justin Trudeau. Um, we pledge to continue standing up for all those who continue to face violence and oppression at the hands of authoritarian regimes. Really? Uh, Justin Trudeau says this. <laughs> I was just going to say, did like, during, um, the convoy? Pretty, <laughs> during the convoy, uh, he, <clears throat> his authoritarian goons shot you in the leg with a crowd control gun, pepper sprayed you and uh, Guillaume, ran over peaceful protesters. Tamara Leach spent 49 days in jail, seized the bank accounts of people. Tell me that's not what they do in authoritarian regimes. That's textbook authoritarian regime stuff. Justin Trudeau made it illegal to protest his policies in the capital city of our country. Where, are, where else are you supposed to protest the government except in the city that houses it? And he made it illegal because inconveniencing people who live in that city became illegal. So not just being a critic of Justin Trudeau, but then he also said, well, you, you've, you're inconveniencing these people by exercising your rights. <laughs> Again, I say it. This is so hypocrite. I'm sorry, but yeah. it is. Like, uh, he's he, he standing for something that is not, of, of course, he's standing for something that is not concerned on it. Like, oh, but I would not stand on something that maybe I did. It's it's gaslighting of the highest order. I know he's not a very bright man. I know he's a very stupid individual. And I think his strings are often pulled by the people around him because he's not a big mm -hmm. thinker. He, he'll just go along to maintain power because he's like a prince. He feels like he's inherited the role of being the prime minister. He, I think even he knows he hasn't earned it, but he feels entitled to it. Uh, because he's the first family or whatever. He's like a Kennedy, right? Um, so uh, he's not smart, but I think even he knows that he is guilty of the things that he is saying he must remember and defend the world against. I think mm -hmm. even he must know that he did these things. 
uh, I, I would say, like, uh, can we uh, have an election soon? <laughs> we, we probably need to rethink about, like, uh, who votes for, like, Justin Trudeau? It's probably people who don't follow any news or politics. I'm sorry, but if you get close to what he's doing, it's obviously that is a wrong choice to vote for. Because it's, first of all, polarizing our country, um, punishing the unvaxxed, is um, doing everything that is wrong on uh, the changing energy, um, is going uh, against the farmer. Um, can we have like something like, like a person who would take the good decision for once? <laughs> you know, I think, though, this is why you see this rising tide of separatist sentiment in Alberta. And I'm surprised, I'll be surprised if it doesn't kick off in Quebec again. Like right now in Alberta, the separatist sentiment is higher than that in Quebec. And it is because of exactly what you're saying. You want to know who the heck voted for this guy? Us too. But this is what it's always been like for us because for us, we have to live with the fact that the election is over before we even cast our vote here. Mm -hmm. That it is decided, bef even before sometimes all the votes are counted in Toronto, the rest of us don't even matter. So we're constantly governed by people whose values are completely incompatible with ours, who are fine to vote for socks and fancy hair, and they don't care about the carbon tax because they take the bus. They don't mm -hmm. care about people who live an hour outside of the city or grow their food or truck their groceries to the store. They're very disconnected in Toronto. You can live your whole life in Toronto, never leave the city in Alberta. I think even still most people are maybe one or two generations connected to the farm. So they might've moved to the city, they but their grandparents still farmed or their parents still farm. So you still know people who make a living with their backs and their hands. Justin Trudeau isn't one of those people and he doesn't respect the people who do. But you just put the finger on the problem. The society <laughs> have created a, a kind of society where you focus on your own life. You kind of selfish person because you just focus on your own problem. When the society should have learned us to open our mind to every problem in every province to make sure that your decision impact the whole country correctly and fair. But unfortunately, yeah. it's not how we grow up. Well, and it gets to the point where as Albertans, we say, you don't care about us in Toronto. So why do we care about you? We're happy. Yeah. Like that's where people get to the point where they say, we've tried to help you. We carry the load. But you keep voting for things that destroy our lives. And when I say destroy our lives, I'm not even remotely exaggerating. When we live through these policies that scare oil field investment away to other jurisdictions, it's really easy to not drill in Saskatchewan and drill in the same oil field using the same technology in North Dakota. It's the same, it's the Bakken. You can just go across the border and drill and work and, and do business there. You don't have to do business in Canada. You can go to West Texas and drill 
and create jobs and create wealth and not worry about all these stupid restrictions, like putting a gender-based analysis into every mm -hmm. uh, major project that you want to do in this country. You don't have to worry about banks who are saying, well, we don't want to fund fossil fuel projects anymore because it doesn't align with our values of sustainable development goals or whatever it is. Um, it's a lot easier to just go to Nigeria, go to Russia, like, like literally, it is a safer bet in the oil patch to want to do business in Nigeria, Kazakhstan, some of the more horrible places in the world. It's easier and safer business-wise to do business there than in Justin Trudeau's Canada. And it gets to the point where people say, look, they won't let us work. They won't let us farm. They want to take 30% of everything I earn out of my pocket before I even get around to paying taxes. Why do I care anymore? Why do I want to be in this country anymore? They don't want us here. It's, people feel like they've been shoved out the door. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like people need to understand, okay, Canada would, would change, okay, their greener energy to Germany and other couple of countries, probably the G7. How many countries in the world? If the other country, they will not say no to uh, the fuel, fossil energy, if they use it, <laughs> I am sorry, yeah. but like uh, we will not reach a net zero, as they say, for the planet. And and you will probably suffer more from your pocket yep. and from your life because you want to follow this. When the other country, them, they will not say no. What they will say no? They will continue their life. They will use it, and they will live like correctly. And probably they will get um, richer because probably the fossil fuel because nobody wanted from the G7 will get cheaper, and their life will be better. But the net zero will not be rich. Don't say, don't think that that will happen. <laughs> no, it's, it's outlandish. It's a unicorn idea. Um, one more thing before we go to, you know, on the topic of Western alienation, and we do have an ad that we want to get to, but before we go there, let's throw to this vid of the chancellor of Germany mm -hmm. speaking in Toronto with Justin Trudeau about democratic ideals and just listen to what this guy says because it is something else to be saying this standing next to Justin Trudeau. <laughs> your spirit, your values, your compassion, your diversity, but also your creativity and your talent. It is this combination that makes Canada so singular and so special. Our two countries share so much, our people are driven by the same values, by the same convictions. Our societies are both guided by democratic ideals and by the disdain for those who think might is right. On Thursday, your spirit, August your values, your compassion,